0: Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We thank you, we just thank you, we just thank you, Father. This morning at this hour we magnify your word. For you have magnified your word above all your name, Lord. Because a man is only as good as his word. And his name is only as good as his word. And you have magnified your word above all your name. So we stand today, knowing that your word is forever settled in the heavens. There's nothing greater that a man or a woman can speak other than your word. But everything else is unsettled. Everything else will pass away. But your word, it will never pass away, Lord. One certainty we have in life is that your word is true. And everything written in it is true. And everything that it prophesies will come to pass. So we stand this morning believing and confessing your word. And I pray your word will go forth and set the captives free. Your word will go forth and heal those who are infirm. Your word will go forth and establish those who are shaky. Your word will lift the weary. And cause those who have strayed to repent and come back. Release your word into thy hands, Spirit of God. Speak, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We had looked at Debbie. It's Deborah. That's what you would call if we had Deborah as our child would have called her Debbie. So we see how God raises up a sister in a time of crisis. And if you see the man God uses in Judges chapter 4 and 5, Barak, and you will see he's a weak man, he's a reluctant man, and therefore you will see why Deborah is raised. If the leader is like that, that means there is no man who is willing to go. So God has no choice and He looks in the entire spectrum of the Jewish society and He finds one woman. One woman. And He raises her. He raises her. But Deborah is one of those ideal pictures of what a woman should be and Barak is not a picture of what a man should be. Okay? But we see how God uses both men and women in His, to bring His kingdom, His purpose. But we need to be very careful how we go about it and and not make the exception the rule. It's an exception, okay? Because we need to be very careful about there are rules and there are exceptions. And we don't take an exception and make it the rule. Because if the exception was the rule, then the Bible would have been full of exceptions. On the other hand, it is hardly there. So why is it? Because today when we see, we will understand why it's so important. Because we always have to come back to that perspective. So, we saw Judges 4 and a couple of verses from Judges 5, wherever it applied to the narrative in 4. So, today we will just look at two verses. (coughs) We turn to Judges chapter, actually three verses, but primarily one verse. Judges 5, verses 1, 2, and (coughs) 3. This is the song. 4 is the narrative of what had happened and the song. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinom, sang on that day, saying, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. We look at verse 2. That's the words for today. That's enough for a pastor's conference. Seriously, you have to meditate on verse 2. It's such a powerful probably one of the most powerful verses in the entire bible and definitely in the book of judges when leaders lead in israel when the people willingly offer themselves bless the lord what is it saying when leaders lead and people willingly offer themselves to follow to obey then god's name is blessed god's name is praised then god's God is magnified and exalted in that nation. Now, we all want to please God. We all want to exalt God. We all want to magnify God. And God says in one verse, he gives us what we say in English, a formula, how God can be blessed. No, Bless the Lord, O my soul. How can I bless God? How can I bring glory to God? How can I bring praise to God? Simple thing is that if leaders do what they're supposed to do, what are leaders supposed to do? They're supposed to lead if leaders lead okay so we'll begin there first thing god's leaders are never born they are made world will say leaders are born we are they're talking about aristocracy but they are never born leader that's why you will see never you will never see a born leader in the bible you will see they all had to be made okay God's leaders are not born; they are made, they are forged, they are formed. They are forged and formed in the wilderness, in the wine press, and at the threshing floor. These three things are important subjects in the Bible. Though topic of wilderness, how God has led all His leaders into the wilderness; how God takes them into the wine press. Okay, how He judges them in the threshing floor. Again. Each one of them is a pastor's conference topic and we have taught in the past. And we saw Nehemiah as an incredible leader. The other study we are doing. When leaders lead, that's not enough. When people willingly offer themselves, those who follow also have to willingly offer themselves. Then the equation is complete. God receives glory. God receives praise. Also, when this thing happens, then the odds do not matter. It doesn't matter how great the odds are against us because in the story we are looking at in 4 and 5, the odds are incredibly against them. Not only they are outnumbered, the number of the enemy is not given at all, outnumbered, even when it comes to armor and weapons, they have no weapons, they have no armor. Okay, And they have 40,000 men, but only 10 are called to go in the first instance. Okay, And the enemy is like too powerful, but the odds do not matter. In God's kingdom, these things don't matter. We just have to fit into what God says when leaders lead and when people willingly give themselves over. The first quality of a leader, we will see here, the one who actually in this picture who leads. Leadership is first spiritual, not physical. So the leader here is actually Deborah, not Barak. Because it's not that he did not hear. Because The the, the statement in chapter 4, if you look at it, shows that he heard, but he refused to obey. So Deborah has to call him and in a way give him a mild rebuke. Yeah, verse 6. She sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinom from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, has not the Lord of God Israel commanded? Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Meaning you know it. You know what you're supposed to do okay you know what you're supposed to do but sometimes when we hear from god and we think we know what we're supposed to do we hesitate and then the word of prophecy comes to us to confirm that's how prophecy should be prophecy the whole purpose of prophecy in its specific very narrow sense is to confirm what we have already heard from god prophecy should not be what causes us to make a decision each one, especially in the new covenant, not the old covenant, in the new covenant, prophets led in the old covenant, but in the new covenant, you know, we are all called to hear from God. That's the new covenant. Each man will hear from God. Each one will know God. And then, okay, I heard from God, but am I right, the Lord? Is it my feelings? It's my emotions? And then suddenly a prophetic word comes in the sense, even today, somebody might hear through the message God's saying, like, People will say, okay, exactly that's what what you spoke, was exactly what I was asking God, and I got my answer. What happened? The word became prophetic for somebody, and it confirms to you. Okay, So that's basically what is happening over here. He had heard, but he did not obey. Or maybe he was hesitant. He looks at the odds, and he's wondering if is this true. And there is a person in the society who is that. It is Deborah who sits under a palm tree, and all of Israel goes to her. For counsel. Why? Because if you look in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, all this should have come from priesthood. By the time you come to the end of the judges, to the last judge, you will see the priesthood is so corrupt. It is completely gone blind. And when the priestess has failed, God has to pick a woman whose mouth will speak what the priests were supposed to do. The knowledge of God was supposed to come from Okay, so it is also indictment upon Israel. Okay, whenever God raises a woman leader, it is a judgment upon the men. You were supposed to be hearing. You were supposed to be listening. You were supposed to be leading. And because you don't do your job, I have to use the next person that is available. If man won't do, then woman will be picked up and men should not complain. Men should not complain. That's basically what's happening over there. Okay, so... The first thing leaders do, the first thing leaders do is that they hear. First thing, you want to be a leader? You have to hear. You have to hear. So we see, Barak hears, Deborah hears. So at that level, they both are the same. But that's not enough. Second, they have to trust and obey. In that case, Barak is one step backwards, but Deborah hears and is willing to obey. So she calls him and she gives him a mild rebuke. So leaders first have to hear and they have to trust and obey. When it comes to leadership for us, the role model is Jesus Christ. Okay. Why? Because every true leader must first be a true follower. If you are not a true follower, God can never make you a leader one day. And therefore, Jesus is a true role model for everybody because he is a true follower, he is a true servant, and he is a true leader because he showed us in, within his life for the first 30 years what it is to follow and to obey. and the next three and a half years, he showed us how do we lead. Okay. He first followed. Then only he led. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. First thing before, you know, what Jesus did. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. First thing Jesus settles in his life is the question of headship. As long as you haven't settled the question of headship in your life, you will never go any further with God man it's a different thing with god jesus settled that once and for all you know what my head is my father it's not a question of equality he knows he's equal to the father he's got the same power they all the same divine attributes of the father the son is no lesser than the father the father calls him god the son calls him god the father calls him god both are god but he settled this question of headship The first thing, if you ever want to be a leader, to be used by God, you have to settle this question of headship. Once that is settled, he also is able to settle everything that follows. What is that? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 and 5 to 7. Therefore, why? Because he settled the question of headship. When he came to the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will. O God. So it's very clearly settled. What is it settled? You are my head to do your will is my pleasure. Do my, will, your will is my pleasure. It is not that there is no sacrifice and offerings. Everybody's life, there are sacrifices and offerings. There's nobody's life in the world in which there is no sacrifice and offering. The only difference is, is it a sacrifice and offering unto God or is in the name of God unto self? It's the only question. There is no, even the fellow who sleeps 12 hours a day is sacrificing. It is impossible to live without sacrifice. Everybody is, he will only wake up later and realize he has lost his life. But it was a sacrifice. He sacrificed at the altar of the bed. Okay? So, there is nobody whose life, where it does not have sacrifice and offerings. The only question is, it is for self or is it for God? Okay? Is it God's will or is it my will? It's God's will or my will okay so we have to get this order very very clearly headship has to be established christ established will has to be established whose will is it jesus makes it very clear i have come to do your will and in the volume of the book it is written about he tells us something over that's why when we pray also we always say he has magnified his word above all his name so many people do not see there are there are two things when it comes to the word of God. One is the hearing and one is the reading. Two things are there. Everybody wants to hear, but God says you already read. Right? When you haven't obeyed what is written, how can I speak to you something over and beyond that? Right? The 21st century church's struggle is that either they don't read what is written, Or what is written, they overlook and they want a prophetic word above what is written. Okay, so remember this. Even Jesus did not expect that first. So the first 30 years of his life, you never hear any prophetic voice of the Father to the Son. He said, go by what is written. All he has is the Torah. 39 books of the Old Covenant. Go by that. And that is What he kept, okay. And at the thirtieth year, I'm not saying God did not speak him before that, because the Bible says, "Morning by morning, you awakened me, and you taught what." But what is it teaching him? He's teaching from what is written, okay. But after that, he is getting specific guidance how to go about each day, at different phases in his life. So never negate the written. We negate the written at our own cost. Okay, so the Bible says so that we will uh, We go back to Judges 2, uh, sorry, 5-2. It says uh, we will look at it uh, differently uh, at another time. And when leaders lead in Israel, and Jesus is one, the greatest, when people willingly offered themselves, what did Jesus do? He willingly offered himself to the Father. I have come to do your will. Isaiah 1 and verse 19 makes it very, very clear. One ninety. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Eat the good. Okay, there are two things over there. Obedience is an outward action. Willingness is an inward attitude. You can be incredibly obedient with a stinking attitude. We say I know most companies will only say that we just want you to be professional. They use this. Quote. God doesn't want you to be professional. He doesn't want professional workers in his kingdom. Okay? Jesus, Jesus was not professional. The professional guys were the Pharisees. Okay? If you look at it, Jesus was a very willing vessel in the Father's hands. Okay? So no, no, not consent. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. If you are willing and obedient, we are looking at that. We are looking at, at the willing part. Jesus was willing all the way to the cross. He was willing and obedient. Okay. So he led because he heard and he obeyed. That is the first thing. Okay. We will go further. John chapter 10 verses 2 and 3. John chapter 10 verses 2 and 3. The man who enters by the gate is a shepherd of his sheep. The watchman. Opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When leaders lead. Okay? Paul David will talk about the, the, the shepherd. Okay? Jesus was led by his father. For 30 years he allowed his parents to lead him. His father, because he was in his father's house. He allowed them to lead them. But he was allowing God to lead him. Through them. And whenever there was a discord between the leading of the father and the mother on earth and the father in heaven, he obeyed the father. He thought, but dishonoring them. That's why you see him in the temple at the age of 12 after the father and mother have left. He knows very, very well what is the, what does my father and mother want me to do? Go with them. But he hears a voice about that, stay here. Stay here. And he chooses. Okay. So always... Parents, we have two little babies also in our midst. Be very careful when your children say, God told me. Don't, God told me. Because sometimes as parents, we may miss what God is telling our child. Joseph and Mary, very godly, righteous couple, missed completely what God was trying to tell to the son they were raising. Listen to children. They can hear very carefully if we are bringing them in that godly atmosphere. Sometimes we make these mistakes like men do not hear the voice of their wife through whom God speaks. Men and women do not listen to the voice of the child through whom God speaks. The prophetic judgment, indictment over Israel was given through a little child called Samuel. Okay, He didn't speak to through Hannah, who was a godly mother. But the indictment he brought would affect Hannah too. Everybody in Israel. Okay. So be very, very careful about it. That's why we have to be very, very careful to see that we are always in tune with God so that God can speak through our own children. God can speak through our spouse. God can speak through somebody else. Because if our heart is surrendered to God, God can speak. See, my fundamental I may be wrong. Okay, I may be wrong, but my fundamental premise is not that the nature is uh, exactly the same, but almost the same. When Romans 12.3 says God has given a measure of faith, I do believe God has given a measure of faith to every man and woman in the world. The question is, will we here? Everyone. We are born with a measure of faith. That's why man is different. Everybody. You'll say, what about those who haven't heard the gospel? God says, the whole of creation declares. Even an absolute normal man, when you look, sir, why do pagans worship idols? I'm not talking about the ones who are into occult. I'm talking about the average. Why do they worship idols? You go look at behind every idol, there is a power that is identified with creation. But they are not able to see the creation is reflecting the glory of an unseen God. So there is a measure of faith in every man and woman. Every man and woman. There is a measure of faith that is given. What changes is that when they hear the gospel, that faith which was applied in so many different areas to worship, so many different, it hits its target. This is what I was looking for. But others ignore it. That is why Bible says no one will be without excuse when you stand before God. Because we hear about so many people finding God without anybody preaching to them. Because they sought God. They sought God. They looked around and they decided, you know what? This is not it. There's something beyond it. Because why? God has given a measure of faith. That is what makes man different from every other creature. You know what? Every man and woman has faith. Everything that we do, even if you're an unbeliever, everything that you do is by faith. You know? Let us say uh unbelieving. You know? Not unbelieving in the sense one who doesn't believe in Christ. A mother woke up this morning, early in the morning, okay? Whole family is sleeping. She woke up, she got into the kitchen and she cooking breakfast. Why is she cooking breakfast? Because she has faith that her husband will wake up and children will wake up and between breakfast and they will not die. Everything that we do, only man does. Everything that man does is by faith. Because every man knows there is no guarantee. Yet he keeps doing. We all educate our children. What guarantee is that they will study and become something? There is no guarantee at all. Everything man does, that is what makes man different from the rest of creation. We do it by faith. But when we come to Christ Jesus and believe in him, that faith takes a different tangent altogether. Spiritually, we get born again and our spiritual senses awaken. It awaken and we are called now to live and by faith of what God has speaking and has spoken. That's what I'm talking about. So here we have to understand. We hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. So about willingly following God. Okay, willingly. And the thing about willingly following God is this you don't understand often what God is saying. Okay, like I said, there is an element of faith in everything that we do. Like our, like I simply was talking about our children, right? Every parent willingly wakes up in the morning and gets them ready, pushes them to school, you no? Know? And the odds, if you look at it, look when I wrote my class 10 board exam in Kerala, I think there was 500,000 plus kids writing class 10 exam. And everybody knows the number of seats in class 10 and the number of seats in class 11 are completely different. You don't have 500,000 seats for class 11. It's not, it's, it's not there. Maybe around 200,000 seats or 300,000. Meaning, Almost half of them will not cross into 11. And then too, when you look at the premier colleges, out of them, very few will make it. Yet, you are pushed. The odds are always against you. Let us forget about IIT. Let us think about class 11. IIT and all is a different question altogether. We talk about IIT and MSET and NEET and all. From 10 to 11, you know what the odds are? Yet we have faith, yet we have faith, even though the odds are against, that's what God is talking about, the people in the world are very smart, even though the odds are against that, they fight, they push, but you, my children, the odds don't matter at all, because faith changes everything, you got God with you, you got God for you. Only thing, don't try to twist God's hands to use God's power to do man's will. That is our problem. So that's where Jesus comes and says in the volume of the book, it is written upon me, I have come to do your will. And in that, there is sacrifice and offerings. The other sacrifice and offerings, God doesn't want. But when we are doing God's will, there's a great amount of sacrifice and offerings and our whole life becomes a sacrifice and offering. It becomes a sweet-smelling aroma to God. So get this very, very clearly. So when you have heard, you need to step out and do it willingly, even though the odds are against you. Odds are against you. Physically, by sight looking, there's no guarantee of success. And you also do not even know what success is like. See, every miracle we talk about, we know it only because we are seeing at the end of the story. But when they were doing it, they had no clue what was going to be the result. Oh, I have handed Sisera into your hands. He still doesn't know what is going to happen. How is it going to happen? What is going to be the end of the war? He still doesn't know. We are hearing, oh, he every soldier was killed. His chariots were overthrown. We are knowing it and we are saying hallelujah because we saw the end of the story. But if you are with Barak when he is going down the mountain, all you have is palpitations. You have no clue what is going to happen. I will show you what it means. Turn to Luke chapter 5 and verse 2. And Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake and the fishermen had gone from them and washing their nets. Don't miss that. Verse 2. Okay, I believe two of them is Peter and Andrew. Okay, they're washing their nets. Verse 4 and 5. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. That's all he said, for a catch. You know what a great catch, but he didn't say just a catch. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Okay, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net." That is willingly. It's making clear two things. We have caught nothing. Caught nothing. Whole night we toiled. And when God calls them, what are they doing? That is verse 2 is important. What are they? Do you know? What do you mean washing the net is from the water? You don't wash nets. What does it mean washing the net? Have you ever seen, gone to the beach and seen them early in the mornings? (laughs) Uh, Raj and all will know. We who are from the coast know very well what it is. When it comes, the net is full of junk. You know how many hours it takes to clean the net? Pulling them out by one and throwing it out, throwing it out. Because it picks up everything from the ocean bed. That is what it means they were cleaning the net. Imagine all night you got nothing. Whole morning you are cleaning the net and the Lord is in putting the net in. You know? is this is we always look for easy ways out. Easy ways out. now if you if you had if you brought up dogs like I did, you know. You know the dog goes out and comes, especially it's an Apsu with furry air. Yeah? That fellow comes with every we call it burr, you no, know, from the grass all over. You have to sit there patiently and take it out. Otherwise poor fellow will suffer. Cleaning the net is like that. Or let us say Indian context. That your daughter with long hair comes with lice. <laughs> oh, western is a different thing. Immediately shave the hair, pour kerosene, burn the head and all kind of things, you know. <laughs> no, no, they used to do it in the past, I'm telling you, in the past. I have, I have read in their ancient history, they used to shave it and put kerosene. They got, they have, but it's not such a great thing, okay. It's just like a mosquito. But the question is, we'll say, oh, we have to go take her and cut her hair. Cut her hair. But then you look at the eyes of the child. No, my hair, daddy. No, mommy, not my hair. So what do you do? You go get the, what is that? Lice make, that one. You sit there and wash it. This thing Can you wash it, this thing? Then what do you do? I did it. You sit with the child. It's hurting. But you want your hair or you don't want your hair? I want my hair and sit down there. Every knit is picked out one by one. You pull the hair out, you put the knit out, you pull the hair, you knit it. Why do you do it? You're cleaning the net. What is the easy way out? Cut it off. Cut it off. Now trimmers are also available very easy. See, we always look for the easy way out. Jesus doesn't give you an easy way out. They are finished cleaning. I mean, if, if you were thinking, Lord, why are you not so compassionate? When they brought the net out and they did not catch anything, you could have told them, don't clean the net, we'll put it again in. After they finished cleaning, he told them, okay? Okay? Put the net in. Okay? Put the net in. All right? Like, People will. If I were Pastor Vijay's father and mother, or my parents also, would ask, Lord, when he was doing his inter, why didn't you call him? Why did we have to waste this time and energy? Three years of engineering BTEC, two years of MTEC, six five years of PhD. Lord, why this waste of time and everything? When that Levin, why didn't you call him? God said, No, I was waiting when to call him. Right? It is not about perfection. It is not about timing, about perfection. Then only we will understand. Do you really believe or not? Believe or not? It is very easy to obey God when you call in class 10. Ayyo, oh, thank you Lord, I have saved so much money. Bible college, they will be free also in India. Thank you Lord, He called him at 10. You always had a doubt about this fellow, whether he will finish or not. I thank you Lord. But when you have finished your engineering, your PhD and God calls you, Odds are all against you. Right? And that's what he's saying. But at your word. All he has is that. At your word. I will let down my net. All Barak has is the word of the Lord. Which has he has heard probably in his privacy of his prayer closet wherever. And Deborah tells him, no? At your word. Go down the mountain. Leave your comfort zone. Leave your secure position. Go down the mountain and meet the enemy. That's how it all begins. He willingly gave himself over. When leaders lead, people willingly, but before people can willingly give over, the leader has to willingly give over. People will always sense a leader who has not given himself over. Yes. Let's simple talk about politics. There is only one politician in the world who is loved by people, that is Trump. There is not a single politician anywhere in the world who is genuinely loved from the heart by anybody anywhere in the world. You know why? Because the people who love him knows this man has willingly give, given himself over for the nation and for a cause. Others are all talk. You know? They are all talk show artists. But there is only one man who has willingly given himself over in politics, in our mind. And people look at that. And God looks at that. Okay? When leaders lead, but before leaders can lead, they need to be a follower. And God makes this call to us, offer yourselves as a living. What is that? A call to give our lives willingly. He doesn't say, I command you. He doesn't say. There's no command. In the new covenant, there are no commands. Everything is a willing surrender. There are no commands. Though. The willing servant receives it as a command. Like you, we say in English, your desire is my command. Okay, your desire is my command. So that's what God is talking about. Okay. So please understand the word of the Lord has come. Are you willing to obey? That is barak. Okay. So the order is established over there. God, leaders, And followers, that is verse 2, okay? God, Jesus is very clear. Who is my head? God is my head. God is my head. And Jesus is a willing follower. So he shows us the way. He's a willing follower. Whenever you change the order, whenever you change the order, the result is tyranny. People will immediately think that's about when you change the order about the woman taking the man's place. No. When God is out of the order, the most godly man becomes a tyrant. If you take God out of the picture, this always order is this. God, man, followers, family, whatever it is. We'll only talk talk in the terms of a home. You take God out, the man becomes a tyrant. Man becomes a tyrant okay understand that david the most righteous man in his generation when he took god out of the picture became a tyrant he destroyed bethsibah and killed her husband and brought death to the son he became an actual he was no longer a king he was a tyrant though he was a righteous man you know why in that he took god out of the picture He kept God out of the picture. So please remember, when do men and women become tyrants and bring chaos and confusion? It's because they take God out of the picture. God out of the picture. Never take God out of the picture. You take God out of the picture, the result always is tyranny. And you know what? Why is there so much chaos and confusion and oppression and depression and abuse in this world? Because the ruler of this world, whose name is Satan, refuses to come under God's order. And the result is tyranny. And Jesus came to show, how does peace come? How does righteousness come? I will show you. I will come under order. And he comes under the order of God and says, God is my head, though I am equal to him. God, Satan was a creation. I am not a creation. I am a self-existing God from the beginning with the father. The son was with the father from the beginning. But I will show you what order does. Order does. Okay. So please get this order. It's very clear. It's God. It's man. It's woman. It's children. That's the order. We don't have to look at the whole universal picture. Only if you get the basic picture right, the fundamental picture right, that is the home right, everything else will fall right. Everything else will fall right. But when the order is displaced in the home, God goes out of the home. You know, you know what? I mean, probably Dr. Richard could uh, verify it. You know, cancer actually begins with one cell and then grows All this is, it's one cell, one or two cells. The body has millions of cells, but one cell goes out of order, right? And it starts infecting the others. The order is displaced. Order is displaced. Okay? So we don't look at the whole body. Whole body. When God says, I have put you, I have knit you together in your mother's womb, He's saying, look at the order in which I have made you. So, this is important. This is important. Okay? Because in Judges 4 and 5, Deborah hears and she encourages Barak to lead. Barak to lead. And I'm telling you, often, especially today, and from ancient days, if you look in the old, in the covenant, especially in the new covenant, women hear. Women hear. As well as men. Sometimes better than men. But what should women do, they should be wise like Deborah and push their men to lead. She pushed. And when he was unwilling to go alone, she said, okay, if you are unwilling to go, I will come along. But you can do this without me. I will stay back and pray you through. But you can do without me. They don't have to see me. They have to see you. Because if they see me, there will be always confusion. The weak ones over there will say, oh, this is what the, now the order is. No, we don't change order but he was too weak to go along so she took him and she told him very clearly if you do this what will happen it will be an indictment on leadership the glory will go to a woman okay. in Genesis 21 verse 10 and 11 it is Sarah who hears Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. The matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But who heard? Do you know this is a simple example which Sarah heard is what God will use as an entire doctrine in Galatians chapter 4 and 5. Paul will have to use VO by because she heard and he refused. He did not hear. And if even he only heard, he didn't want to believe it. She heard very clearly. But you know what? If you look at verse 14, words, uh, yeah, 14, though she heard, she she doesn't lead. He has to take action. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and water, put it on her shoulder. He gave it to the boy to Hagar and sent them away. It doesn't say Sarah sent them away. See, by now, Sarah has learned. I can hear, but my husband should lead. Okay, And the result is, you have order there. Now, if you look at in chapter 15, we don't have to go there. Chapter 15, we'll go to chapter 16 actually. Chapter 15, it's Abraham who hears. But in chapter 16, verse 2 and 3, Sarah leads. Sarah said to Abraham, see now. The Lord has restrained me from bringing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. When Sarah is speaking the truth, he did not listen. When she is speaking something she did not hear from God, he is listening. Now she is leading over here. He heeded the voice. Though he is the one who heard. God did not speak to Sarah. He spoke to Abraham. Did you see? Did you see the stars? This is how. You know what? He, whatever he told her, she decided I need to interpret it this way. She looked at herself and he said, you know what? I'm not going to bear any child. It's over. But you're still good. Why don't you take my maids? And the Bible says, she, he took. He listened to her voice. Now, <coughs> if you look at when she leads, what is the result? Verse 4. When the order is displaced. She conceived. When she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. You have chaos. You know why? In this whole picture, there is no God. Only the name of the Lord is being taken in vain. When God is not there in the picture at all. So you know what is happening. Everybody is saying, The Lord told me, the Lord told me, told me. The result is chaos. There is confusion. There is chaos. There is conflict. And what happens? You look at another barak the the gene of Barak is there in Abraham that you will see in verse uh, 5 and 6 the name of the Sarah said to Abraham my wrong be upon you I gave my maid into your harambe she saw that she had conceived I became despised in her eyes the Lord judged me today if everybody is bringing God in here but they never inquired of God in the beginning and verse 6 look at this man Abraham said to Sarah indeed your maid is in your hand. do to her as you please This is Barak. Okay. He doesn't lead. And what did Sarah do? Sarah was a typical Indian housewife. Dealt with a maid severely. (laughs) She fled from her presence. Okay. See, that's what, that's one of the reasons why we believe, one of the simple reasons, logical reasons why you can believe the Bible is absolutely true is because nobody is whitewashed in it. No man will write a book like this. Sarah will be an angel. He will be a seraphim, an archangel. Children will be all. Nothing like that. Everybody with warts and boils and everything is clearly shown. The marital conflict, the nastiness of the mistress, the, the pride of the maid, no, the passiveness of the man, everything is shown as it is. But what is God saying? That's the kind of people I could only find. That's the one I used. Okay. She takes things in her hand and gives it her, like we say in India, nicely to the maid, and the maid ran for her life. Verse seven and nine. And God meets Hager and told her what's happening? Yeah. Seven eight nine. He said, Hagar, hey Sarah's maid, he's very clear. When God speaks, it doesn't matter. You have conceived Abraham's child, but order doesn't change. Who are you? Why you? You're, You're Sarah's maid. <laughs> That's you are. Whether you like it or not, you belong to her. Given or bought, you belong to her. Right? If you work for Capgemini, employee. <laughs> 8 to 5 is your login and log out time, you belong to them. You gave that time to them. Okay. Sarah? Hey, good. Sarah's. Do you know how Deborah is introduced to us, Bible? Well, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of? That's not how it happens to us. Like if you, when I went to my children's school, you know, I'm never identified as by my name. Oh, that's Andrew's father. <laughs> really? Identity is like that. Is she mentioned as, uh, uh, Lapi what is his name? Lap- Lapidoth, the husband of Deborah? No. Then the glory goes to her. That's not how it's written. Deborah, the wife of Labrador, God never changed. She may have an office in the kingdom appearing and speaking it out, but the order never changes. Because if you change order, what happens is, the result is confusion. It never changes the order. Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? Where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarah. Lord, Angel of the Lord said to her, you know what? We can solve this problem, but let's restore order first. Return to your mistress and submit yourself under our hand. You know why this problem happened? Yes. He's not talking to her anything, but he doesn't talk to her about the mistake Abraham made and all. That's none of our business. But the problem is, you know what? When you conceived, you thought, I can change order. But he cannot change order. He cannot change. You despised your mistress. You despised your mistress. And we have to be very, very careful about these things. Very, very careful about these things. Because India, it's a very speaking right? Like, you look at government offices, you will see a mean, especially in Kerala. Oh, you will see it everywhere. Bus conductor, MA beard. PO, MA, PhD. Because so many qualified people struggling to get a government job. Your boss may be B honors. He's reached their because of seniority. You got a PhD. You better be careful. Don't change order. Don't change order. Stay there and work your way through. All your accomplishments mean nothing when you get into a system. There you go by order. And Christians should know that very well. Very well. You know why? Because we are living in an age where there is no respect to that order at all. Absolutely no respect. And we saw in the last four years in U.S. the way they used to talk about their president. You can criticize policies, but you do not abuse your head he 's the head of your state you know and we see that happening and that's these are things we need to be really very careful about you know why because we don 't get these things right. nothing is going to change. He refuses to take responsibility and you will see the gene <laughs> is there in Barack also why why we why are we coming to this because Sometimes we forget what is happening. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This is the last verses in the Old Covenant. Okay, this is talking about the end, our days. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. So it's not the first coming of Jesus Christ, talking about the second coming. I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. God is saying, I'm giving you two choices. One, restore your home. Otherwise, Allah come and judge this world. He's not talking about nations, he's not talking about corporations, he's not talking about anything. He says, before I come back, I will give one mandate to the church, restore your home. Because if the home is restored, the church is restored. The church is restored, the nation is restored. You cannot restore a church or a nation without restoring homes. That is the building block. This is the final promise in the old covenant. So we cannot change the order because everybody is trying to change the society without changing the home. And the home cannot be changed unless we understand what is the order in God's home. What is the order in the home? The head of man is Christ. Don't bring the head of woman is man. That is not the key. The key is the head of man is Christ. And how did Christ show? Christ showed what is headship. And the problem is this. The bane. Bain is another word, B-A-N-E is meaning curse. The curse on the earth is being passive men. Passive men. Like Barak, like Abraham. Right from the beginning. Why does the fall begin? We will say because Eve ate of the tree. No. Passive Adam. Genesis 3, 6. It all began because a man was passive. Look at three six. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, the tree desirable to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate, and she also gave it a husband with her, and he ate. Where was he? Right beside her. Why didn't he stop her? Why didn't he lead? And the Bible says very clearly he was deceived, Adam was not deceived. So the honest is on him who was not deceived, not upon her who was deceived. With her, you can say it was an accident. She got deceived. But he was not deceived. He had heard directly from God. He knew exactly what was right and what is wrong. You know why? He was absolutely passive in leading his home. That's how the fall begins. And this is the fundamental issue God is addressing. God is saying everybody is wanting to do all kinds of things. He says nothing is going to change until you tackle the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is the home. And that's where Deborah and Barak is put over there. And Deborah shows you what a woman should do. Shows you what a woman should do. when the man is passive. The Bible is full of passive men and women. Abraham is passive. Isaac is passive. Look at Genesis 27, 1 and 2. This is a man of God. It came to pass when Isaac was old, his eyes were so dim he could not see. He called Esau, his older son, and said to my son. He answered, here I am. He said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. And verse 3, he says, get me some. Please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, go out to the field and hunt game for me. What do you do? Cook it the way I like. You look at verse 4. Right? Make me savory food just such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. You know what this is why did he become so passive? because this is what has happened in the 21st century world. Men have become passive because they have been compromised by the lust of the flesh. they have been compromised by the lust either it is sex or it is alcohol, it is drugs, it is simply the pursuit of pleasure, even if it is a good thing. the reason you do the good thing is because you get pleasure out of it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Is football a bad thing? No. Cricket a bad thing? No. But there are men who don't come back home. They're playing cricket for five hours, six hours a day. Is it a bad thing? No. But you know what? The pleasure of a good thing can destroy you. Because what happens is you're not doing what you ought to do. What you're doing is because we always think that these things are bad. Drugs are bad. Alcohol is bad. Gambling is bad. You know what? Everything is bad. If it is outside the will of God for you, you know exactly what you are supposed to do and what you are doing, what you are doing, you know, what you are doing. In the age where I grew up in Kerala, you could go into almost every home after six. You wouldn't find a single man in the house. And you could go onto the streets. You couldn't find a single woman on the streets. All the men were out. And the children practically grew up in their homes without seeing the fathers in the evenings and the nights. And they will come back at 9, 9.30. None of them were alcoholics either. None of them were alcoholics. In my entire lane, there was only one alcoholic. Nobody drank. But everybody had their business with their men, their clubs, whatever they were doing. You know? And this is what God is talking about. We forgot What is it all about? Passive men like Abraham, like Isaac. One man of God said this. If men should show the same dedication at their workplace to the dedication they show to building their home, they would all be fired without notice. The man of God said, the same dedication they show to the building of their home, If they were to show the same dedication in their workplace, they all would be fired. And we see this continuously through the Bible. Whether it is Adam, whether it is Abraham, whether it is Isaac, whether it is Jacob, whether it is Moses, all these men. Because we need to get to the fundamentals. God has promised already in the Old Testament. There is only one way restoration will take place. And this is the last key, the spirit of Elijah, that spirit that was upon Elijah will come back and on once again, tell the church, repent and get back and put your house in order. Build your homes again. Every one of them. Please don't misunderstand. Every one of them were successful. Abraham was unbelievably successful. Isaac was so successful. Jacob was very successful. Genesis 31, 38 to 40. Don't misunderstand this also, not only they were successful, these 20 years I have been with you. Your eaves and your female gods have not miscarried the young. I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts, I did not bring you. I bore the loss of it. You required from my hand whether it was stolen by day or night. They were successful. They had integrity in their workplace. There I was in the day the drought consumed me. The frost by night, my sleep departed from, they were hardworking. They were successful. Men of integrity in their workplace, they are hardworking. That they messed their homes up because they would not invest in their homes homes. So don't misunderstand these people. If you looked at their workplace, they were incredibly successful people, men of integrity and hardworking people. But you look at their homes, they would not spend time in their homes. What God was supposed to do. They all learned later. So don't forget fundamentals because if you forget fundamentals, we bring that curse which God has set upon ourselves and upon our own homes. Right? In Exodus 4 and verse 24, you will see another passive man who is being called. It came to pass on the way. Where where is Moses going? Moses is going. Moses is going to deliver Israel out of Egypt. The Lord met him and sought to kill him. Why did he sought to kill him? He said, Moses... You are going to deliver a people, I have anointed you, but you know what? You are such a passive man when it comes to your responsibility in your home. Are your sons circumcised? Did you do your first basic duty as a father with your sons? Have you circumcised them? No. Put your house in order first. I put you first in order. Now put your house in order. Ex- exercise your authority has the father. The boys are small. Maybe your wife doesn't want it, but that is irrelevant. Do it. You know what is right and what is wrong. Exercise your authority, do it. And he's so ill she has to do it. Okay. So Jesus showed us how to lead. And when men refuse to lead, not nations, homes. When men refuse to lead homes, what do we have? We have what is called a national crisis. Either we have like in India tyranny, because most Indian men are tyrants. They only give orders, they don't serve. Okay, Or like in US, men are the invisible men. Jesus turns everything upside down. Okay, that's what he does. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. Submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord. And men love it. But verse 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay, so he says, in the home there is sacrifice. From the man. There is. This is not in the office. This is in the home. There is. A, he gives himself over for a purpose. John chapter 13. Verses 3 to 7. And then 12 to 17. The final lesson Jesus gives to the church. Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God. Jesus knew everything. His order was very clear rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And verse 12 to 17. When he had washed their feet, taken his garment and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, so I am. Who is Jesus? The head of the church. Who is the church? The wife. Who is Jesus? The husband. He says, do you know what I have done to you? I am your Lord. I am your teacher. Who is head of the wife? The husband. What does he do? Sanctify her with the word. One of his functions. What am I? Your teacher. If I then your lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. That's why we say family is a team effort. Everybody helps. In India, that's not the way. The wife serves the husband and the wife serves the children. The rest are all lord's. But that's not what the word of God says. He says, do you know? Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent them. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He changes the entire, he turns the entire principles of the world upside down. He says true leadership serves and it serves in the home. You are always a leader first in your home before you can be a leader recognized outside. That is fundamental. If there has to be a restoration, a restoration which we are looking for, we have to, the men have to rise up, passive men have to rise up and God will change things. And then what happens when leaders lead and mom and the children follow, the praises go to God and the nation will bless God. In Hebrews 11, why is this important? Let me tell you why is this important. Hebrews 11, we all know Hebrews, by faith, 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 by faith. But if you look at all the stuff that happened in by faith, most of the things that happened are very simple, ordinary things. At the end, there is a very important verse, which is verse 39 and then 40. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. All of them. from Nobody received the promise. Why? God having provided something better for us, they should not be made perfect apart from us. What is God telling us away? God is telling us that, you know what, faith is not displayed in bringing down mountains and bringing down walls and parting the red seas. It is not. It is simply lived, obeying God in your homes. And one day, Everybody will be rewarded. There will be millions of people. Nobody saw them. But the man led his house. The woman and the children all followed him. And when that day comes, God says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Take your reward. But we'll say, I brought the wall down. I parted the Red Sea. He says, Did I ask you to do all those things? If you were asked to do, good for you. But this is what I ask everybody to do. Faith is simply lived in the simple things of life because you heard, you believed, and you obeyed. And most of the things which people did in the Bible, we always think about supernatural things and the miracles and the signs and the wonders. I'm telling you, most of the people who will be rewarded in heaven had no signs or wonders. They just obeyed God in the simple things and built their homes. That's all they did. And that's all God asked of them. Otherwise, what is the hope for people? There's no hope. Let me explain to you by statistics, because we like statistics, right? India's population is 1.3 billion. How many? Million. Federal government employees, which are basically who rule over, rule over us, the federal government employees are our rulers, is 1 crore, roughly around a crore. A crore would be 10 million, right? That is less than 1% of India's population. Did you get it? Is 0.79 percentage. I checked the percentage in the morning. How many leaders are there in this country? Less than 1%. What does it mean? 99% follow. 1% of leadership. Put the statistics into God's kingdom. How many people do you hear in Hebrews 11? 20 names mentioned? How many billions are they talking about? So only 20 people get crowns? No, the rest were only asked to do what they were asked to do simple lives, just build your homes if people just did what they were called to do, you know what, if people just build their homes according to the principles of God you don't need a deliverer, the land is delivered you don't need a Deborah you don't need a Barak, you don't need an Othianiel you don't need a Ehud, you don't need a Shamgar, why are these people raised up you know why, simply because the basic unit failed, the homes failed and the homes fail, then you need deliverers. And what is the de- at the end of the day, what is the deliverer supposed to do? Restore the homes. But after the nation is freed, their homes are not restored, oppression will go back again. And this is what we are not. Because everybody, you go, I want to know the will of God. I said, the will of God is just do what you are called to do. That's all you have to do. As simple as that. And we forget these fundamental things. Right? Because what will happen is, otherwise, is that, you see, all these men were weak, but Abraham will one day become a strong man. In 18, verse 18 and 19, God speaks over Abraham. I know where I picked you, but I will not end up that way. This is what we all should end up. Since Abraham said, surely become a great shall, okay, not is, shall. Great nation, mighty nation, all nations, so that he blessed him. For I have known him in order. What did he call him? In order that he may command his children and his household after him. That they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness, justice, that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. He says, I know this guy. One day he will become everything. And we will see that in Genesis chapter two, 22, words 2 and 3, and then verse 9. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the island, we know that, and verse 3, next day morning, what is he saying? He has accepted the headship of God completely, without reservations. Unlike the previous things that happened in the life, this is the most unpalatable and most difficult thing God is ever asking him in his life, and he's ready to obey. Headship has been restored. And if you come to the next words, Abraham built an altar, placed the wood in order, and he bound his son, the son didn't rebel. Order has been restored in the home. Right? And you go to 1 Peter chapter 3, and verses 1 to 6. Order has been restored in the home too. Like wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without word may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let's leave all that. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are. If you do, if you look at the whole this thing, you will see. You know what? When did she really accept the lordship of this of Abraham? It's when Isaac is being taken. Everybody has fallen into line. Everybody has fallen into line. Abraham has fallen into line under the headship of God. Sarah has fallen into line at the undership of Sarah. And Isaac has fallen into line at the headship of the father. And God says, I got my father home on earth. From this home, all the nations will be blessed. The first thing that he establishes in the realm of faith is the home of Abraham. A believing father, a believing mother, and a believing son. And the whole nation is blessed. We just have to go back to the fundamentals and nothing else. Fundamentals. Because we, we, we forget. Okay, I'll just give you one verse. Not one, no. One portion. Micah chapter four, verses one to three, one to four. Okay. Micah four. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. Okay, he's talking about, we are all waiting for Jesus to come, millennium reign. What will happen in the millennium reign? The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, shall be exalted above the hills, people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach his ways, we shall walk in his path, for out of Zion the law shall go forth, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's all about the teaching that is taking place. He shall judge between many peoples, rebuke strong nations. They shall shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. All this. And what is the result of it, words for? Yeah, that is the key. For all people, everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree. What is established? The house is established. Some total of all this, no war, all peace. Everybody has learned the ways of God. What has happened? Everybody is sitting in his house happily at peace. Home has been established. And we should not forget this. This is the primary, primary purpose. If you have doubts, go read Isaiah 65, 17 to 25 and Revelation 21, 1 to 5. You don't have to go there. I'm just giving you a reference. Isaiah 65, 17 to 25, Revelation 21 to 5. It's all talking about the end. And at the end, if you come over there, it is all talking about the home. And as God as a father. So we have to be very, very careful because the scourge of a society is either hyperactive women And passive men. Okay? God doesn't want that. He wants active men and active women. Okay? Who are fighting for their homes. And God wants Christian men and women in every sphere of life. Every sphere of life. Except two. One in the role of a shepherd? No. And for me personally, not in combat role. Like what they are trying to do in US Army. I Personally, my strong conviction is that a woman should never be sent to fight. That is the man's job to fight for his wife and his children. It is not the woman's job. We should not bring that into the gender equality realm. That is not their job. That is our job. It's not their job. Job. That's something which men can do better than women. You may look at some women and you will say that she's better than other men. Not true. You bring any the best woman married in any core, you will find ten better men than her. Fine. it's like sports. You can get Serena Williams and this thing, and let them play against Federer or Nadal, they will lose. Okay, but this is yeah, but this is not talking about sports. This is talking about war, war, and we don't put our women in the front. See, this whole warped idea, there are two areas where we don't do. One is that women shouldn't shepherd churches. They shouldn't do that. You're supporting God's order. Two, men should not send their women to fight. and Women should not fight for that role. It's not right. It's our job to fight for them. Every other role, yes, you need to be there. But let me tell you, people think that I always think, people say, pastor wants all the women to stay at home. I said, no. You shouldn't stay at home. You should go out. I'll tell you. A lot of things which I don't tell you. Okay? This is a letter I got. I get a lot tons and tons of letters and often I don't have the time to answer. Some I answer, okay? I'm not mentioning names. Greetings to you in the masterless name, dear Pastor James. I am so and so from this state. First, I would like to say that I have been a regular listener of all the GTC sermons. I have been listening to all the sermons, especially during the lockdown began. I've been spiritually blessed like never before. I was born in a Christian family, but the manna which I received from GTC definitely took a different, took me a different spiritual level together. I've heard from you to to always make God's will our dream, and not our dreams, his will. I've sincerely prayed for this to happen in my life too. I am 30. It's a lady, okay, I'm 30. I've done my BTech and M-Tech, but somehow feel that my calling is not to work in these sectors. I belong to a political family. My father is an MLA, and never had any intentions to join politics. But last year, when I was praying for God's guidance and revelation, the spirit was prompting me that this is where I should be. So it's okay. So, Please advise me. Canly can you guide me? Okay. I didn't know who this person was. When I checked out, I realized wow, her, her father was. He's a current MLA, senior most MLA. And also, uh, he's a, what do you call it? Uh, former CM, deputy CM. Okay. So, only thing I asked is that I present. I I told her this. My question to you is that still now, God is leading you. The need of the hour is strong and godly men and women. In The questions you have to ask, first, how will it affect my walk with God? Second, if you are not married, how will it affect my marriage? Third, how will it affect my home? After that, you can take any decision. Okay, pray about it seriously because politics is a difficult field. Yet we need godly men and women in all positions to effect change like Daniel and Esther and Deborah at a time like this when the church is in crisis. But you should never do it at the cost of your home. At the cost of your home. Because it does not matter. After you have succeeded, everything, if your home is gone, you're still unsuccessful. Especially if you're a woman. But God needs, we have very strong women now rising up in, conservative women rising up, rising up. We need strong women. But women always have to say, first, how does it affect my walk with God? Second, how does it affect my walk with my husband? Third, how does it affect my home? These three things. Prayerfully, consider these three things. and Then only step out. Because we need strong women, we need active women but not at the cost. You don't want one cancer cell in your body. It will ultimately destroy your whole body because the strength of a nation is simply the strength of a home. Strength of a home. And that's the devil is very smart. He attacks homes. He attacks homes. And homes are attacked, the nation is divided. And God is he's smarter. What does he do? He restores homes. He restores homes. What does he do? He brings restoration into that homes. So please get that order very, very correctly. Because when we are praying for, everybody wants to do great exploits. But the greatest exploits are done at home. You build your home. Simply, quietly, prayerfully, guard your home, pray your way through, guard your children. All of you have very, very small children. Let them see the reverence for God The adoration from God that you're all working as a team in the house. You're not competing with each other, but you're working as a team and the order is established over there and you will, you will suddenly realize, you know what? My home is an oasis of peace in a turbulent world. My home is peaceful. Peaceful. And all hands at the deck. All hands at the deck. In the building of the home, everybody is involved. And don't get this wrong picture because everybody wants to be apostle and a prophet and supernatural signs and wonders and all that, CEOs and everybody, Lord bless my dream and all. All that is good. But nothing should replace your home. Nothing should replace your home. You know, so whenever all these years, because I've seen when when that division happens in homes, you know that's one of the worst things that can happen when divisions happens in the home. The misery and the turmoil they bring into homes. I've been seeing it for years. I remember specific cases I can remember where the wife was a believer and the husband was passive, and the wife used to take the children for the Bible study. Okay. And after some time, the husband, the father keeps the children back. You go on your own. And you know what he used to do? Every time the mother went for the Bible study, he used to give the son 500 rupees to go out and spend. Today he's a drunkard. He's an alcoholic today. Doesn't go home, doesn't go to church. You know why? Because the mother was spiritual and the father refused to be part of it. And sometimes it's the other way around. The father is spiritual, the mother is unspiritual. And you know what? They indulge the child in the flesh ultimately what is happening is that the homes are being destroyed because the men and women husband and wife are in competition and not complementing each other racing up you know and you have to be very very careful about these things you no know? because we, people will say I want a ministry you have a ministry right in your hand absolutely right in your hand you know what it's your home you have a ministry right in your hand it's your home, and your home is built. Imagine no? That's why God has even our, even our own church. You look at our own church. What is our church? Ninety percent, single moms, single fathers, and orphans. Right? We have to bring them up, hold them together, stand there. But why did it happen like that? Because people forgot what is most important for God. What God is actually doing? What is God restoring? And at the end of the millennial reign for eternity? What is eternity? Let's read Revelation chapter twenty-one, verses two to four. What is eternity? I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, "Behold, the tabernacle of what is tabernacle means tent, home, dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God." And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, yeah, and Lord, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for former things have passed away. And he says, he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right for these words are true and faithful. What is eternity? It's a home. It's a family living together and God is the father. That's all. And Jesus is a spouse. And the church is the bride. It's a big family. It's a home. What I'm telling people is that don't pursue anything in life. Pursue anything in life at the cost of your home. Anything in life. Cost of your home. Careers at the cost of your home. Don't pursue a dream where God is not in it. And abandon your home if you are a man and even if you are a woman be very careful talk it out and be very sure if you're a man taking something you be very sure that you got your wife with you and the children will be safe very very clear about these things don't do it it will cost you it will cost you in the long run and men be active we have active men and inactive men you ask my wife well let's say we talk I said one of the fundamental problems of our church is that we have very hardworking women and very passive men. Few active men, most of them are passive when, when it comes to their home. Wives of all the women, I said almost all the women in the church are hardworking. You take, you name me one name in the church and tell me if she's not hardworking. In our church. One woman who is not hardworking. Everyone is hardworking. But not all men. And all men. When it comes to their home. Very casual. Very passive. And it is not good. It's not good. And Judges 5-2 is speaking to us men. And home, life in home is very simple. It's not complicated at all. It's very simple. Very simple. Four people, five people put their hands together. Life in the home becomes very, very simple. Because most of the work in the house is mechanical. And 21st century multitasking can be done so easily at home. All you can do is put a headphones on, listen to a message. In 45 minutes, most of the work in the home is already finished. And you have a lot of time for the family. Very easy. Men need to get really hand in and take care of their homes. homes. Don't ever sacrifice your home for the world. It will be worth nothing at the end. And if a nation has to be restored, America has to be restored, and a revival is taking place, and I'm telling you at the core of the revival, when it takes place, you will see what will happen is homes will be restored. The children will come back because the fathers have come back. I will turn the hearts of the fathers and to the children, the hearts of the children, back to the father, and the fathers would have come back home, and the children. okay, so what does it mean? Symbolically speaking, the mothers never left. They were there, holding it together. It's a, it's a very difficult task, very difficult task, holding it together. but men have to come back and get involved in the home, the life of their home. And that's what ministry is all about, because God is a homemaker. He's not just a waymaker, <laughs> he's a homemaker. And bachelors learn to do all these things now, all these things. I mean, honestly, in India, what has happened, our mothers spoiled us. Our mothers, you couldn't, it's all passed down from generation. It's like the lady who bought the bacon small pan, cut the edges. And the husband said, why are you doing it? She says, that's the way my mother did it. She called the mother and she said, I don't know, that's the way my mother did it. Finally, to call the grandmother, she said, that was because my pan was small. So the people don't even ask. We take it down as sacred certain things. And Jesus said, you follow the traditions of men without looking at the traditions of God. God is the homemaker. And Jesus taught a final lesson to the church. Final lesson to the church. And this is what he said. This is what we do. I have served you. I have served you. Leaders serve. Leaders serve. If you are a father, you serve in your home before you serve outside. You serve in your home. You serve. You make life easy for everybody. Life easy for everybody. You just serve at home. And it's not a difficult thing, it's just arranging and it doesn't even take time. I'm just being practical, it doesn't even take time. Because 21st century have been, given so many gadgets have been given to make life so easy. You know? It is so easy in the 21st century. How many minutes does it take? 20 minutes? 45 minutes? In 45 minutes you can do almost all the housework and leave the cooking to the woman and go to office too. <laughs> Everything is over. You can time it. When timer has been given with every gadget, (laughs) so you can time it. How easy would be life? And imagine the children waking up and seeing the dad working and the mother working. What are they going to grow up seeing? What are they going to grow up seeing? They're going to grow up and seeing, you know what, dad worked, mom worked. When they build their home, they will also say, I work because my dad worked, I work because my mother worked. It's as simple as that. You don't have to teach them anything. They saw it. They saw it. That's how homes are built. Come honey, let's pray. Because we are thinking about the Holy Spirit falling. <laughs> yes, he will fall. But if we don't restore your home, he will also fall. <laughs> we have to get our homes back in order. Because I see struggling fathers in the house, in the church, what do you call it, single fathers, single parents, fathers, I see a source, single mothers, I see orphans lost. God is a father to the orphan, a husband to the widows. He's everything. You know, God is the original multitasker. He's everything. Right? If you're an orphan, He's your father. If you're a widow, he's your husband. <laughs> if you're a widower, he's your wife. He will come and help you through all that. Everything he helps over through it all, no? and through it all, God is teaching us. You know, He says, "Build your homes. Go back, build your homes. Start today." And all the bachelors, learn now. And our bachelors are good. They I've learned very, very well. This is the best time to learn all these things: how to wash, how to cook, how to take care of your home, and to be so good at it. Because if you're efficient in anything, you save time. One of the things: if the primary purpose of efficiency is that you save time. You save time, and you do something over and over again. You will see this. Most of the things which the the fairer sex, the fairer also look at that fairer sex complain about, are very simple things. Very simple and hardly takes energy, hardly takes labor. It's not time consuming. And it's very simple. Very, very simple things and you can do it. And if you can't do it because you are very busy and if you can afford it, hire a maid. Invest in a maid. Invest in a maid so you make the life of your wife easy. If you can't invest in a maid, then do part of the work. It's one of these two. You can't have it both. I won't spend money on a maid and I won't do it also. God says that is unacceptable. That is not unacceptable. You have to do one of these two things. I'm telling you serious practical things. That's when the kingdom of God comes down kingdom of god comes down and that's what jesus did this this final lesson of washing his feet and the last portion in the book of john he cooked for his disciples Hmm. and i always have this question did he cast the fish or this come out how did he get those that fish i always have this question certain questions in the bible i want to ask jesus when did you do a miracle or did you cast the fish i know you cooked second where did you get the fire from just blew into it like one of these pagan gods. <laughs> okay. What did you do over here? Because I see something, I see fire, I see coals, and I see fish. He not only really washed his feet. Right? He not only really washed his feet before resurrection, he cooked for them after resurrection. You know? Men should cook. Especially when your wife is pregnant, should cook for them. Honestly, I'm telling you, okay, that is something which you do. We, I don't have that luxury now, but, (laughs) (laughs) okay, but I'm telling you, when your wife is scaring, okay, you have to take care of them. You have to cook for them. Don't call Swiggy. Please cook for them. Okay, (laughs) don't do that. Cook for them. Okay, you have to do these things. And I'm happy most of our men, I think most of our men are good cooks, they cook. Some are of course experimenting. Okay. <laughs> <Some>. <laughs> but when you cook, you have to be very sure you cook what they like. <laughs> they like when, if I never have cooked for her, I don't cook what I like. Some of the things I cook for I don't even eat. <laughs> okay so please do these things okay please do things or else hire a maid that is your service. Let's pray. Let's get a simple, practical thing. Yes, breakfast, wife. Yeah. When the those day she ate, ask her. I got her breakfast. I made her coffee and I kept her breakfast ready and made my mother's breakfast. And so then only I left. By six thirty, everything was done. Tank was full. I didn't have to sweep and so Otherwise, I came here and did that. Otherwise, I would have done that also. When there was no maid, she told me I washed the clothes, hung it, everything. Before she woke up, everything was done. I'm not preaching from my head. Everything was done. Now she doesn't eat breakfast, otherwise I would make it for her. My mother also stopped, so I stopped making for her also. For the wife and the mother and uh, what chores I could do with the house. Everything was over by before 6.30 in the morning. And then Appu always will give witness. You will see me sweeping. <laughs> the other side come here. I have the first one there sweeping everything off. Finished everything done. But all the time the headphones are on. Not a second when I'm working is not the headphones there. The headphones are on. So I'm not wasting my time. I'm listening to some of the most powerful messages, including this morning I hear is when I am working a very simple menial job in which there is no religion. <laughs> What's some of the most powerful messages. And that is where you see on my phone on the notes, all the notes in the phone is when I'm working. I'm either washing clothes, I'm sweeping, and I hear this thing stop, everything, write the note down and go back. And I go back and check my notes. You look at my phone in the notes, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of notes. And almost every one of the notes is either when I'm washing clothes, or when I'm sweeping, I'm swabbing, or filling water, or cooking. All the notes you ask my wife, where does she get her revelation? She will say, in the shower. She clearly hears from God. In the shower. She comes out of the shower and she tells me, take this down. And it's on the dot. See, we have to make every simple thing sacred. That's what Jesus taught us. Every simple menial thing is sacred because you bring God into it. You can get a revelation anywhere, in the kitchen, in the shower, anywhere God will speak to you. You don't have to be like a sadhu in the Himalayas, sit in a particular post to hear from God. Our God is not like that. Emmanuel is with us. Because most of the people to whom we, who are listening are simple people, poor people who are listening around the world, Our church people, simple people, poor people struggling. But you know when you hear from God, your struggles are over. And you can hear from God anywhere, anywhere anywhere. That's the message. Come Deborah, speak. Pray. Okay, yeah. uh, Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Yes, Father, we need godly, righteous, hardworking, strong men and women in the last days. But men and women who will put their home, God and their homes first. If our homes are strong, then our churches are strong. If our churches are strong, then our nation is strong. No man, no woman who is hearing can change their nation, but they can change their home. And that's all you ask us. Very few are called to do a great task. Very few. Less than 1% of India's population serve in the government. 99% do not serve in the federal government. Same in the kingdom of God. All of us are called to lead and serve in our homes. And a church where the homes are strong, where nobody has to fear the enemy, that church is strong. It's a blessing to the society it's a blessing to the nation and when the last days restoration takes place it will start with the individual it will flow into the homes it will flow into the churches and it'll reach out and touch the ends of this world and our christ should be lord touch me let it begin with me today lord help me to be that man not passive like barack not beginning passive, like Abraham or beginning Isaac or Jacob Isaac. when it came to the home. Or even Moses or Samuel or David. All incredibly successful men in the world. But very passive when it came to their home. And we do not want hyperactive women also who, who ignore their homes who destroy their homes for the sake of a crown in the world. We don't need either. We need active men and women in the kingdom of God who will serve in their homes and who will also serve God in the world. A lot of people have asked, Lord. So many people, I want to hear from God. And I pray, Lord, you have spoken to many of them. I don't understand what God's purpose for me is. You have a purpose right where you are. Exactly where God has placed you. You have a purpose right there. Jail had it. Just had a tent. And she was a tent maker. And she had strong hands and arms. How she pitched her tent every day. She was strong. She had milk And curd, everything in her tent. When the hour came, God did not ask her to use anything other than her little tent and her strong arms and the hammer and the peg she used every day to pitch a tent. And the curd, the milk, she had gathered and kept. That's all she used. And she brought deliverance into the land. And for everyone who is listening, you got a ministry right where you are. Whether you're a man or a woman, you have a ministry right there in your home. Secure your home. Secure your home. Serve in your home. Men, women, and children. Because when you serve, you are serving God. You're not serving man. You're serving God. Touch, Lord, our churches. Touch our homes, Lord. Touch our men, women and children, Lord. Let them not be lazy and passive when it comes to their homes. Help us to build our homes, Lord. Once the homes are built, the church will automatically take care of itself. There will be very little left, work left to be done in the church. The church will be busy doing the work of God in the world. Because the church has become a testimony. Bless our fathers and our mothers. Bless our children. Help us to get that order right once again, Lord. For before you come, you said, the great and the dreadful day, great for those who established God's order in their lives, terrible for those who left that order, It will be a great day for many. It will be a terrible day for many. Wake, Lord. Wake us up, Lord. Wake us up. Wake us up. Yes, Lord. The spirit of lethargy, slumber, sloth, passivity. When it comes to the home, Lord, so many people, Lord, men and women, 21st century, when it comes to the home, very, very lethargic when it comes to the home. Building the altar at home so that God can feel at home in our homes. God is welcome. As God was welcome at Bethany, in Lazarus and Mary and Martha's home, he felt at home in that house. We need men and women at every sphere in these last days.